0: From him who turns our tears of sorrow into tears of joy, and from him who will change our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body by the power that enables all thing, that, in, that by the power that enables him to subdue all things to himself. From him be all grace and mercy and peace. Amen. Our text for this morning is our epistle lesson, especially this first part of it, where Paul writes: Brothers, join in imitating me. And keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many, of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. This is our text. This text that is presented before us here as we are in the beginning stages of the season of Lent... Has us hearing Paul say to us that he wants us to imitate him. Are you ready to do that? I'm not sure if I am. St. Paul was probably one of the greatest preachers the world has ever known, and certainly one of the greatest writers the world has ever known, and I think I fall far too short when I compare myself to St. Paul. But more than that, are we ready to imitate Paul as we walk our way through this season that calls all of us as Christians to deeper faith, to to greater repentance, to a higher kind of love? Are you ready to imitate St. Paul? Are you ready to be shipwrecked or thrown in prison or maybe stoned or, or maybe threatened in some way, shape, or form? It's not an easy thing to imitate St. Paul, let alone to imitate Jesus. Imitation, as you well know, is a very important part of the Christian life. In fact, this past Wednesday, as we gathered together on Wednesday morning for our Bible and Bagels Bible study, one of the questions that we had before us as we started our study together was, in what way are you like your parents? It provided some interesting discussion. I shared with the rest of the group that I think I'm a lot like my mother in her impatience, but I'm also like her in my passion for things that I love. And I'm a lot like my dad as I try to imitate him in his creativity, his creative writing, his interest in literature and drama and all the rest of that, but I don't think I have ever even come close to holding a candle to his brilliant artistry. Parents love it when we imitate their good parts, but they're not so happy when we imitate the bad things. But more than that, we look up to our parents, to our elders in the faith, whether the biological ones or maybe even the ones who are sitting around you in the pews today, anyone who is further down the road in faithful living than we are, and we pray today that the Holy Spirit would enable us to Imitate them as they imitate Paul, as Paul imitated Christ. And Paul wants us to be co-imitators, the Greek says, to join together in imitating me, he says. And what a wonderful thing that is if you really think about it. You never ought to try imitating alone. We imitate as part of the congregation of God's people. God saw that it wasn't good for us to be alone. God wants us to love one another, to support each other, to live as part of the congregation of God's people. And that's particularly important when those shipwrecks or imprisonments or stonings or beatings or threats in the Christian life come along, and they will. God has given us people to lean on. What a wonderful gift that is. But today's text reminds us that one of the things that Paul calls us to imitate in him is to cry the right way. To cry for the enemies of the cross of Christ. Now, Paul's not necessarily talking about tears that are shed in anger or in indignation or in disgust, although we may cry those kinds of tears. But our tears are to be shed in outright sorrow for the people of this world whose God is their belly. It's sad, isn't it, when we look around and see that all people want to do is glorify themselves, worship themselves, look to themselves as the place where they find their own identity, security, and meaning. We see it all around us, both inside the church and outside the church. You've heard of Joel Osteen not too long ago. Joel Osteen's wife, Victoria, got up in front of their huge megachurch in the arena there in Houston And this is what she said. See if you can evaluate this this morning. I just want to encourage every one of us to realize that when we obey God, we're not doing it for God. I mean, that's one way to look at it. We're doing it for ourselves because God takes pleasure when we're happy. That's the thing that gives him the greatest joy. So I want you to know this morning, just do good for your own self. Do good because God wants you to be happy. When you come to church, when you worship him, you're not doing it for God, really. You're doing it for yourself because that's what makes God happy. Amen? Their God is their belly. And we ought to weep over that. We see it all around us in our society as it's peddling lusts of every kind in more and more accessible ways, even to the children of our lives and our communities. We see it even inside the mainline American denominations that are pushing Christians to accept every form of sexual deviancy from one end of the spectrum to the other in the name of love when in fact true love is a love that lovingly and winsomely points out sin that goes against the clear words of Scripture and calls sinners, all sinners, including sinners like you and me, to repentance. For we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Their God is their belly. And we ought to weep and sorrow for those who are careening toward potential eternal destruction. Paul tells us that our minds ought not to be on earthly things, but on the Savior whom we await. Our minds are to be on the transformation that is ours in our baptism and the renewal of the Holy Spirit that takes place day in and day out by God's grace. Through the power of that very same Spirit, our minds are to be on the one who will transform the world and our own lowly bodies to be like his. And when we look at reality from God's perspective, the Holy Spirit leads us into looking at the world in such a way that we just cannot understand how people can indulge in all the evil things in this world. When they find their identity their security, their meaning in the things of this world. And it means that they are on their way to destruction. It's enough to make a grown Christian weep. After all, we have been freed We've been freed by Christ's death and resurrection. Freed to imitate our Lord and freed to imitate St. Paul and to weep with them and like them. We have been freed because Christ has been crucified to forgive us of all of our sins. We have no more need to earn our salvation by our works. So now our works can be used to serve and to love our neighbors who need it so desperately. Jesus didn't just cry when Lazarus died in that shortest verse in the Bible. We, we also see him weeping in a sense in today's gospel lesson as he weeps over Jerusalem, the very city that's about to crucify him. He weeps in sadness as he looks at the prospect of what is facing those who would remain enemies of him and of his cross. Our society seems to revel, it seems to enjoy inventing new ways to become enemies of the cross of Christ, and and our position is naturally to become defensive about that, maybe to get mad about it, to get angry, to try to show them who's boss. It's awfully tempting to want to do that, but we don't need to. The boss will. He's shown us who has subjected all things to himself. He has shown us who is Lord, and and he is a Lord who has loved and forgiven sinners like you and me all the way to the point of death on a cross. That's why because we trust that he really is Lord, the Lord who has freed us, we also weep. We weep over the enemies of his cross. And we pray that those tears would flow into baptismal water that has perfect vengeance on the enemies of the cross and turns them into into people just like us. The disciples of the Lord bowing at his cross and seeing reality from a heavenly perspective. As disciples of Jesus in and Lent and, and in every season of the year, really, we have been called to stand firm in the Lord. That's how Paul concludes this text. God has placed us here on this earth for all kinds of purposes, one of which is to cry for his enemies. And the orientation that shapes every day, every moment of our lives, comes from the Lord himself, the servant king. By the grace and power of God's Holy Spirit, we imitate Paul as Paul imitated Christ. And so as we repent again this morning for not weeping over the enemies of the cross of Christ, whom we, I think, really could rightly assume to be our enemies too, we look to the Lord. We think about our heavenly passports our godly papers, identity papers. And, and we stumble along in this life doing our best to imitate Paul and to imitate Christ, sometimes disagreeing with Paul over who the chief of sinners really is, but agreeing with him completely that we re, what we really need to know is Jesus Christ and him crucified, him risen, Him ascended, Him reigning and ruling over all creation for your sake and for mine. Because Jesus is our Lord and Savior and because we have been baptized into His name, we are already in this life beginning to taste the tears of joy that God gives to us when we experience and receive His loving forgiveness. Baptized into His name, We are already citizens of his kingdom, Paul says, and so we look forward to the the day when every tear of sorrow will be turned into a tear of joy. So right now, even and especially in this season of Lent, we rejoice and we praise his name and we even pray as we weep for our enemies. Our eyes of faith are not meant only for crying, but but also for seeing the hope that is ours right now in the here and now and the hope for the life that is to come. And so I'd like to invite you to conclude our sermon this morning by praying along with me a prayer that I love that was written by Brennan Manning. Will you pray with me? Dear Abba, 10,000 things are already vying for my attention. Wade, actually make that 10,001. Some of them are shallow, like what shoes I will wear today, but some of them are legitimate lunch with a friend, a doctor's appointment, responding to a letter. Still, they are all earthly things. So startle me, I pray burst into the compound of my senses, and steal me away from the urgent tyrannies already seeking to keep my eyes fixed on things below. You died for me. For me. That is the one thing nothing else compares. Amen.